Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather, political discussion that from the outside may just look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Mm -hmm. And we're here to talk about this week's news and politics. Mm -hmm. And culture as it turns mm -hmm. out. Yeah. yeah. How are you? Um, I had a stressor last night. Oh yeah. Because my cat had a stroke. Oh. It's horrible. I thought it was going to have to kill her. Oh. But she's doing alright. And cats apparently make a full recovery from strokes. Really? Yeah. Proving wow. that cats are better than humans, or maybe that they're always kind of shit. <laughs> the stroke barely dents them. I had um, I kept rats for a long time. Yeah. And, um, one of them had a stroke and lost the like bottom half of their limbs. Yeah. Um, so he was like dragging himself around the cage, and uh, you'd like take him to the vet, and they're like, "Well, there's nothing we can do to operate on rats. They're too small." And, you know, him dragging himself through like basically his own shit mm. will eventually get an infection and he'll mm. die. He lived on for about another two years, just <laughs> dragging himself around the cage. Like the Terminator at the end of Terminator 1. Exactly like the Terminator at the end of Terminator 1. That's fantastic. It was amazing. There's a dog in the village that um, its back legs don't work. Mm -hmm. And the bloke's always taking him out for walks. And it's hard not to laugh because he's got the dog on the lead. Yeah. But then he's also holding a little harness to hold up his back legs. So he looks like he's walking around with a puppet dog. <laughs> and it's super cute. But the dog's super aggressive. So you have to sort of pull the dog pull my dog away from it. They're saying the dog has more control over it, perhaps. Mm. Who is the real puppeteer here? Exactly. It's like Crag and that big monster thing that he sits inside of. <laughs> but yeah, so what's head after this? Yeah. Um, um Theresa May's in the Labour Party now and <laughs> vowing to give a yeah. load of money to the... Her tanks went so far mm. onto the Labour Party's lawn that uh, she's actually inside the house now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... With a Brexit, a Brexit dividend for the NHS, which sounds fake. It is fake. It's all fake, right? Yeah, it's all nothing. It's all nothing. Um, but she's going to do nice taxation, because that's a thing Tories are known for, progressive rates of taxation. Yeah. None of it really makes much sense. Um... It's admitting austerity is bullshit. Yeah. But since when has admitting a thing doesn't work really negatively affected Tories from doing I mean, it again? I presume at some point they're going to have to double down and find a natural constituency for Toryism for the next, not just for the next like five years, but for the next 20 years. Mm. And it's going to be mostly scared older people. Yeah. Who own their own homes, who don't have enough money for private health care. Maybe they'll give personhood to self-driving cars and get that new bastion of... Um, of independent, self-employed businessmen that don't need to use the NHS. They don't need to go to school. <laughs> They'll decree personhood on them. They'll give them personhood and then they'll all vote Tory. <laughs> I can see that. That's a, that's a natural constituency for Tories. Yeah. Cars that occasionally burst into flames and run over people. <laughs> Didn't you say, like, Philip Hammond had already said, oh, by the way, all this extra money for the NHS means there's no money for anything else? Yeah, so he's trying to get people pissed off at the NHS. That's... They're so they're so like fragmented. They're such well, yeah, fuck-ups yeah, at the my, moment. Um, thingy, William Hague, yeah. um, today saying, you know, oh yeah, you should legalise weed. Like mm. recreational weed. Like all of it. I just want, I, you know, William Hague just wants to do shatter all day long. Um, <laughs> but Let's get that loud. And then very quickly, the, to the rest of the Tories go, no, no, we don't agree with that. That's bullshit. <laughs> because of course, like, but they can't control any of them. It's, it's remarkable how Is much... Is William like, Hague an MP or a lord or what? Uh, I think he's a lord. I don't know, actually. Let me look that up. I don't think it really fucking matters, to be honest. It doesn't particularly... But you know what I mean. Like, they can't, like he's a famous Tory figure. Yeah, an ex-leader. Uh, uh, they call them grandees at some point. But, yeah, he's a life peer. He's a life peer, yeah. 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 
But um, yeah, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, so we were talking about toys a lot last week, I know, but um, it is just remarkable how much they they go off range and they don't get called on it. Like, no, Labour is obviously, I'm not going to pretend Labour's not divided. Oh, no. But the coverage that Labour divisions get as opposed to the coverage that Tory divisions get yeah, definitely. is amazing. And the Tories are in control. <clears throat> like, yeah. Labour aren't in control of anything but themselves. See Wes really, Streeting talking about how much he hates weed today. In a oh. real dog whistle tweet. Oh, yeah. that, um, well, there's just people, you know, there's people in my area who just don't want people smoking cannabis on the streets in front of their houses. Like, oh, you don't want, you know, those grubby hands, those grubby weed smoking hands touching those Land Rovers in Ilford. You know what happens when those people smoke weed, don't you? What? They get the strength of 10 men. They do. Right? <laughs> and, you, you know, they're leaning on your car with their boom boxes. Mm. Yeah, that's, it was. The, the multi ethnic gangs. Yeah, he is, it, it felt, one black guy, it, one it felt like that. Maybe he isn't doing that. But it felt it, like he was conjuring up images be, of streets of rage villains. Yeah, to be fair, like it does, it it feels like that's really gotten to be the last uh, refuge for like anti weed hmm. stuff. There's two. There's two of them, which is weed's much stronger now and therefore causes psychosis, mm-hmm. or there are people smoking it outside, mm-hmm. and it's like that. They're weak arguments. Yeah, they location and temporality tend to be weak arguments yeah. against something that otherwise is pretty popular and probably would pass if yeah. it were put to a vote. Yeah, I think I think so. I think probably I think Parliament's probably close. Yeah. Like the, there's probably there's probably politicians who've got the numbers on it. Yeah. Oh, without yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and they're waiting for it to just be that cuss that and, just reaches. And the only the only thing that number. they can um they can really kind of go on it and say, well, it won't play in Middle England. Mm-hmm. But it's like I don't know if you've noticed, but most of Middle England has smoked weed or is smoking weed right mm. now because there's nothing to do in Middle England. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of old people I know who wouldn't want weed to be legal. But the problem is I, I know weird old people. Yeah. Like, my mum would be in favour of it, but she was an addiction specialist for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, I mean, my mum was kind of knee-jerk <coughs> against it. Like, she wasn't an addiction nurse, but she was like a nurse, and she was kind of knee-jerk against it. But I had a conversation about it, because I'm not... I don't, like, smoke weed, really. Um, and... Square. Like, I had a, huh? Yeah, I am a proper square. But look at this belt, done up to 11. <laughs> While I'm just leaning here, listening to jazz. <laughs> like, with the cool cats. Yep. <laughs> um... And yeah, I had talked to her for like five minutes and she was like, oh, actually, yeah, I'm not that bothered either. Yeah. yeah. You know? Who's not going to affect anyone? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but prop stuff. This week, yeah. uh, we thought we'd talk about Labour Live. We've mm. done a lot on the Tories. Mm. We've done a lot on centrist liberals. And there'll mm. be more on that. Mm. But we're going to talk about Labour today. Mm-hmm. Labour had uh, an outdoor event. Festival. A uh, festival thing. In on Tottenham? Saturday at White Hart Lane uh, rec-, rec-, rec Ground, I think it was. Yeah, um, yeah where I the dog. Yeah. Um, they had that this last week. And, like, I don't know how you felt about it. I was kind of a bit cringed. I turned it Cringed on. out by the idea of it. <clears throat> and then some of the clips coming out of the O Jeremy Corbyn stuff. No, no, it wasn't the O Jeremy am, Corbyn it, one it, that it, made it me turn in on myself. It was the um, O Barry Gardner one mm. um, and it's just oh, that man has really really seen a war that he wasn't in favour of <laughs> yeah um, and well, just the idea of lionising MPs yeah, there's, there, there, there is that thing of like okay there are a couple of people who have been good supporters of Jeremy Corbyn mm. um, recently and before the election and since the election 
like Barry Gardner and what's her name? Emily Formbury, who do not have a good past. And I'm not particularly even, in favour. I mean, with Emily Thornbury as well, not a great. Hasn't had a great no, she's six still months. Kind of in favour of NATO and shit like that, which I find. She occasionally comes terrible. out with good stuff, but then seems to balance it out with really terrible, atrocious stuff. Yeah, yeah. you know it. And despite and, her accurate opinion of Rochester when she was there years ago, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. She, in general, she's just she's like a, she's like a lot of those kind of Labour MPs. Yeah. We've talked about it before, the yeah. ones who you can see when the, if if and when they get a new leader, mm. they, they go back. There were they bits go back that, to, doing, the, to toe the line. Yeah, there were bits about this Labour life in that did make me cringe a bit. Like, There's a lot of stuff with like the figures, which we'll get into. Yeah. But um, like I saw some of the bands as like the magic numbers mm. and things like that. The main um, line-up was um, oh. uh, the magic numbers, mm. Reverend and the Makers... Hot with that one hot song, two thousand seven entry. Yeah, uh, Ray Morris. I don't know who Ray Morris is. No. Somebody, somebody, tell me. Um, and then a load of speakers like Eddie Izzard. Well, okay, you know, comedian, fine, whatever. That's entertaining. Yeah. Pay ten pound to watch Eddie Izzard. Maybe that's watch some, Eddie Izzard come something. out and speak against the leadership of the Labour Party. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's something somebody will want to do. But at least it's entertaining. Uh, and then you know, hot shot speakers like D- David Lammy. And like well, again, does, I don't mind David him Lammy's too much. Quite good at speeches, he's do, and the thing is, when David Lammy is doing his thing, he's very good at it. I'm like, I'm his stuff with regards to like knife crime and all that. Yeah, kind of, sure, sure. He's doing good work on that stuff, and he speaks and, very passionately. Well, yeah. yeah, he speaks very passionately, and he does it very well. Um, there are other stuff that he, that I have problems with David Lammy about, but that's because he's a Labour MP. Um, but I wouldn't pay to go see him fucking talk. I wouldn't pay to go see any of that shit. I was telling you earlier, I'd rather. It, it, Make it Roadburn. Yeah, I, I want to go see Roadburn uh, with John McDonnell. I'm sorry I couldn't hear you over your bandana. Shut up, my bandana's beautiful. You did actually, I just want to say, that's not a metaphor, you did actually buy a bandana, didn't you? Yeah, I bought a bandana for my dog and I got one for myself as well, so we're matching. What? <laughs> you're, what? A, you're a team. We are a team. You should get t-shirts printed up with your names on the back. <laughs> I'm looking very much like a roadie at the moment. You really are. You came in... Uh, we have a lovely, lovely ritual for, for podcast recording days. I come over and you like cook me some dinner and things like that. And today I came in, you were in a vest, a bandana, and you were frying up chips. It was the short order cook of my dreams. <laughs> yep. It was <laughs> but, um, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Like the bands, it's like, of course um, they're going to be kind of shit. I saw Zach Zimmer Jr. was there, but he wasn't doing anything. Like he could have been putting on a couple of wrestling matches. He could have beaten up, I don't know, Spike Trevay. That would have been awesome. Spike Trevay, the Tory wrestler. I imagine, yeah, I imagine he would have been up for that. That would yeah. have been a good demonstration. It could have been him in a handicap match against Spike Trevay and Thatcher Wright, the Scottish one, <laughs> who comes out with um, a copy of Thatcher's autobiography. <laughs> um, the main band that were there was Clean Bandit. I don't um, know what that is. I had to remind myself, because I'm sure I knew the name from somewhere. They're like soft. I think they're like a soft, poppy rock band. Most notable for doing the Marks and Spencer Christmas 2015 campaign. The Toriest, the Green Toriest advertising campaign. Now, I know that, it's, that you know, we're going to have to have some kind of like vetting system for if, if, if Labour Live is going to go on again. Yes. Um, maybe don't choose that band. I'm sure they're really nice people. Yeah. Their music is terrible. Well, that's, it was a thing, to be like, fair, we're going to be terrible with this stuff, because, like, we put on a good show, but I don't think there's many Labour supporters that would like to come see the subhumans. 
Actually, there were, yes, the, there the, would the, be. The correct ones would be. Yes. Um, but, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, if you're going to do this whole rebirth of class-based politics thing... I'd, yeah, don't put uh, those kind like, of... Bags. Actually, yeah, bring out um, I think they were subhumans, also, they were also notable, conflict. <laughs> discharge, yeah. yeah. They were also notable for... Oh, um, how great would that have been? Jeremy Corbyn coming out with discharge. <laughs> this song is called New World Order! <laughs> Actually, yeah, actually, fuck it. Just all D-beat bands. <laughs> um, no- noticeable by their absence were, like, no grime bands, no grime acts. That's weird, though, because... Um, apparently Stormzy wanted 100 grand to play. <laughs> so that's probably one of the reasons, but... It didn't... I'm, I don't really care about the image of, like, Corbyn supporters as a middle-class thing. I don't think it's accurate, but has some truth. It has some truth yeah, to it, it, but does. I don't think it's accurate. They're one pillar of, of what, like, Corbyn's movement is. Yeah. But it really doesn't kind of dispel it doesn't when it's all help, 2000... It's, the magic numbers. it's hot 2007 indie acts that are, you know... Of, yeah. Maybe, look, hey, getting somebody to perform at a festival on a budget... Yeah. Uh, apparently, um, reports from the actual place were that there were so, like, it was generally a well-run event, but there were like three food vans for thirteen thousand people. Uh, I know Zach Saber tweeted talking about the fact that there wasn't a lot of like plant-based and vegan stuff mm. there, which um, I don't um, know. Maybe a he's quite a skinny oversight. guy. He probably needs food quite a lot. Otherwise, he's going to pass out. Yeah, he? he's a high-octane gent. Yeah. Um, and there was just something about it, like, I know they're trying to kind of continue uh, continue or rekindle the spirit of, like, something like Rock Against Racism. Hmm. Um, but that had, like, that was, like, musicians started, I think, in reaction to um, yeah. uh, Eric Clapton yeah. talking about, like, um, uh, deporting yeah. people of colour and deporting foreigners. Yeah, Eric Clapton's piece of um, shit. Yeah. I did not. I always get surprised by how much of a piece of shit Eric Clapton was back in the day, and yeah, yeah. possibly still is now. Yeah, I guess he probably is. Um, he was drinking quite heavily at the time, yeah, but history. still, I drink quite heavily. Yeah, I never go on like deportation rants. <laughs> Actually, I do, <laughs> but not based on race. <laughs> it's mainly based on wealth. Yeah, <laughs> and French French uh, co- uh, consonants and vowels in oh, names. Get rid of every soft consonant. <laughs> And it, yeah, there's something about it that being a kind of Labour sympathiser, I'm not a Labour Party member, so what right do I have to tell them to how to run their particular party? But a music festival to celebrate just the Labour Party yeah. seems like it seems triumphalist and it seems a bit hubristic. Mm. But also, I was looking up other, like, I was trying to think of, like, because there's been no other events like this. That I can remember. The Tory any Secret Festival. Party. Well, I actually looked that up. That turned out to really just be an away day for um, like tactical and strategic uh, activism for Tory activists. Fantastic. It really wasn't a music festival. It really wasn't like Tory Glastonbury or anything like that. I think they must have downscaled it when everybody laughed at them. <laughs> um, but like, uh, like, I was trying to look for things that like were similar to it, and there's nothing really that was similar. I mean, you get closer, like I say, with Rock Against Racism and stuff. But like Neil Kinnock's like Sheffield Rally in 1992. Yeah. Um, he put on this big like American style like um, convention thing. Yeah. In Sheffield. He sent me a he, clip of that. I was watching the clips of it, and it's where it's the one where he goes, "We're all right, we're all right," like trying to get that. That notorious Clinton American energy. He comes in in a helicopter. 
kidder. Nothing says working class renaissance <laughs> as the Labour leader coming in in a helicopter. And you know, superstars like John Smith and Roy Hattersley <laughs> just making speeches. Like they were doing yeah. the normal speech that they the were Kinnocks, making at the time. They're a degenerate line, aren't they? <laughs> they're like useless. They're like, if you're going to like, if you're going to choose genetics that probably aren't that useful in any kind of society, it would be the Kinnock line. I'm a Kinnock realist. <laughs> I, would, yeah, I wouldn't want to be trapped on an island and all I had to help me were members of the Kinnock family. <laughs> that would be terrible. You could get uh, Neil Kinnock to fall over in the surf of the <laughs> island and crush small, small pieces of seafood. Or get a bunch of the Kinnocks to fall over and then tie them up and then ride them out like a raft. <laughs> or just pile them on top of one another, make them sit on each other's shoulders and just make them walk out to sea with you on top. Yeah. You'd probably be able to get quite far. Listen yeah. to the continental shelf. <laughs> Um, yeah, like that was the, that was kind of the kind of con side. It was a bit. I didn't really, I didn't really feel it, but it was harmless, and no one else tries to do that thing. No, that's it's impressive um, that they try. On the on the pro side, um, Jeremy Corbyn's speech was as usual very good. Mm. Um, touched upon, he did he did his classics, he did his hits. Mm. You know, it's a festival crowd. Yeah, you, you know. do your hits. Um, which is, oh, which is a joke that. Every every one of the three, four, five Guardian columns Fuck's sake. reporting on Jazzfest mm. made. Um, mm, no. Yeah. Um, this there was just such a level of of scorn for it that, like, I didn't. Despite the fact of how uncomfortable it made me feel and how kind of how cringy it was. It was just like, no, it's it's not that. They were definitely trying to make it into something more than it was. Hmm. Um, there was a Martha Gill article. Uh, if walking around Jezfest is anything to go by, the Tories have little to fear. There was a tussle over... Did you over say the... that during the, um, during the campaign season as well? <laughs> yes. By any chance? And then again, just after the election. <laughs> and then again, <laughs> in, the, in the budget. Yeah. And then again, every time he's made a speech, or Labour have come to the news for any reason. Did she did were did a lot were a lot of these um stories were they, a lot of these articles written beforehand by the chance? They sound like it. Yeah. I mean they had they had the details in so I had to pay X for a pint. Um And the usual kind of like that like Martha Gill's article, there was a tussle over the last cardamom flapjack at the cake stall. There was some bitterness from those who'd paid the full £35 for a ticket while either got in for free. But there was one thing everyone at this nice middle-class festival in North London could agree on. The establishment was absolutely terrified of them. The establishment hate the idea that we are coming together to talk about politics, boomed Len McCluskey, speaking at his party's music and politics event, Labour Live, to an audience of largely white middle-class men clutching £4 beers. I did notice that. To be fair, £4 beers. £4 beers. That's cheap around here. That's good. That's real good. That's good for... A number of places. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, that's standard. Yeah, £35 to get in. I probably wouldn't be able to make my money back without getting sunstroke and dying of alcohol poisoning. But I'll give it a go. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that is cheaper than every pub in Walthamstow. Yeah. Apart from the spoons. It was just a very, like, huh, mm. wow, you are very keen to put very inaccurate facts in your yeah. in your hit piece. It's, it's just really weird. Yeah. Um. Uh, Tim Adams, uh, also in The Guardian, 
There was a moment, an hour before Jeremy Corbyn took to the stage at the Labour Live Festival, when he might have believed himself a rock star. The Labour leader, in his short-sleeved linen shirt and his pale chinos, checking his pockets for his speech and his reading specs, was shuffled through the crowd by three burly security guards barking into walkie-talkies. It's very important to make Jeremy Corbyn seem both weak and overwhelmingly strong yeah. at the same time. Uh, the crowd duly parted before chasing him en masse the few yards along White Hart Lane Park as he was bustled backstage. Three teenage girls started scrolling, screaming to see if they had caught the great man doing his trademark pop-eyed grin on their selfies. What? Trademark pop-eyed grin? What? Because... Smile. I presume it's like he imagines him as some kind of swivel-eyed loon. Yeah. Like, in, you know, in the, like, the cartoons, yeah. there's almost a sense that he's cross-eyed. Yeah. Yeah, I see the way they draw him. And, like, he's so mad that his eyes pop out on sticks. Sorry, have I not been paying enough attention? Does he have a signature smile, like, um, Figgy, um... Shit, I forgot the name. That film with Batman models. Oh, Zoolander. Yeah, does he he's, have, like, he's, his... He's got his blue steel. Yeah, does he have... Them. Does he have one? I don't... I don't think so, if... Because... He, he seems... He <laughs> seems like... For a man who's... Let's face it, is not particularly conventionally attractive. No. Um, he has a number of like poses that make him look cool as fuck. To be fair, he is like ancient. Uh, he is, and you know he's seventy-two or however yeah. old he is, and like he he seems like he seems to have a range of facial expressions, which is one thing you cannot say about say Theresa May. Oh no, she went through a whole bunch of facial expressions when um when um Corbyn made that dick about whether she'd consulted with Boris Johnson or something like that. It was, it was um, a private questions. He embarrassed her and she like, yeah. was like... A... Yeah, she really... She can't control her face because she's no, had she so can't. much training that it's all got scrambled. Yeah. Um, and presumably the training was pretty quick yeah. because she didn't think they were going to lose Brexit, mm. the Brexit vote, and she didn't think she was going to be Prime Minister so soon and yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's just... But yeah, he's just... He's just nice. It's, it's like it's, of all the things to criticise like yeah. Jeremy Corbyn for. And it's like also criticising people who... People are infused about Jeremy Corbyn wanting to get a picture of him smiling. The yeah. monsters. I remember reading about how people used to do that with Stalin. Trying to get pictures of his signature grin. <laughs> the swivel-eyed loon. <laughs> yeah, it's, Look oh. at him there, bustled in by his burly red army guards. Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre. Uh, it's weird. Like they definitely reserve, like the Guardian, especially. I'm, I'm focusing on the Guardian here. There were similar things in the Sun. Oh well, yeah, but they're, they're um, but they're expected to, to do it. Yeah. Right? But there was definitely there's definitely something with the Guardian where he can say something like uh, Tom Gam was making this point today on on Twitter. Um, you can say something about his anti-imperialism, yeah. or say something about his like anti-militarism, yeah. anything like that, and they will attack, but say it's unreasonable. Yeah. However. Whenever he talks about culture, yeah. Whenever he like, tr he's a big one for saying that everybody has something to offer culturally mm. and creatively, and that shouldn't be stymied by how much you earn mm. or what where you are in society. Which is something I'm all in favour of, obviously. But they ha they reserve their greatest scorn, their proper sneering voices mm. for when that happens. You remember the Ulysses thing? Yeah. yeah when he said his favourite book was uh, Ulysses by James Joyce. Yeah. And there was a level of, like, sheer contempt it, they think in their voices. Because they went to the Fancy Pants University, they're the only one allowed to read the Fancy Pants books. Yeah. It's really fucking horrible. It's crazy. Even on Labour List, I remember there was a thing about, oh, this incomprehensible garbage. And it's like... 
It's not incomprehensible. I mean, most of you, most of you went to university in order to study that stuff. You yeah. know what post like modernism and postmodernism is. Mm. Like, I don't. And also, your like your scorn for that kind of stuff also opens it up for the alt right to be able to do their own post, like try their own shitty postmodernism, which is where fucking Jordan Peterson comes from. Yeah, you know, like his postmodernist reading of Cinderella with a little touch of 14th century morality. <laughs> like, it, it, I, I really don't get it. Like, Well, they're just attacking him, because that's all they do now. Yeah. It's disgusting. When they're... Su- they're su- who, do they, who do they literally stand for at the moment? Who do, who do Guardians speak up for? Who's, whose side are the Guardian on at the moment? I know they're paper, they're not supposed to really home, be on anyone's side. Homeowning, independently wealthy, remain voting Lib Dems. And as you can see from the blinding success of Vince Cable, yeah. there are a lot of them about. They're a big constituency. They're yes. certainly not shrinking through the twin pressures <laughs> of old age and the housing crisis. Hmm. Like, I, yeah. Um, yeah, they said apparently that there were a lot of people going to the literary tent. Like There were people like um, Gary, I can never know how to pronounce his name, Gary Young, Gary oh, Yunge. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's, it's, young, it's young with an e on the end. I, I think it's I young. Mangle that fucking name. He's he's very good. Oh, he's outstanding. He's Every time I see him yeah. speak, um, I watched that thing where he went to America and talked to um, Figgy Richard Spencer. Yeah, um, that was kind of funny. It was yeah one of the good one of the good ones of those yeah. of, of liberals going to talk to fascists. Yeah, well, it's because he's not really that liberal. Mm. Gary Young's he's mm. very left wing. But yeah, there's a, something about it was ludicrous because it was. A political party doing something outside of Parliament, yeah, doing something that was cultural as well as you know, like us, like we've already bitched about the bands, but I know we'll say inverted commas cultural, yeah, um, and it, yeah, it was a bit naff. It sounds like, but like no one else does that, and why? Like, why should Labour be bothered by good taste? At this point, well, yeah. that seems to be most of the stuff coming from like the liberal quarters that it was somehow bad taste. Mm. They made a lot of the um, Brexit banner. Oh, the um, astroturfed thing. fucking yeah, thirteen teenagers. thirteen people at some point. I'm not sure where they stood. Where was it? They uh, tried. To, they stood in the crowd. I saw pictures holding a thing of like stop Brexit, and um, when they couldn't get any attention there, they just stood to the side and held it up and took pictures with some journalists. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, activists from Our Future, Our Choice mm. brought a banner saying stop backing Brexit and were met with a range of responses. According to its spokesman Callum Milbank Murphy, from the strong support of the young to the you lot of childish wankers evaluation of the old. Eventually, uh, one Our Future, Our Choice was persuaded to lay down its banner and some people duly stamped on it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like, Certain middle class, like middle class scorn for Labour, is definitely understandable because it is seeing that kind of like wide eyed enthusiasm, mm. like I say, as misplaced as it may be, is really really galling to people who've See, fashioned misplaced. their career around like a detached sense of like mm. cynicism. I don't think it's misplaced. I think it's in general it's good. Oh, you know, no, 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 of... not enthusiasm in general, but like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd, you I know, so, I'd, yeah, I'd rather they, I'd rather there was this kind of support for a more left wing party than the Labour Party. But you know, it's better than we've had in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah the, that organisation are really weird, aren't they? The the ones who crowdfunded their stuff got like virtually no money, 
but have their offices in, was it Peter Mandelson's it's building? Peter Man, the same building as Peter Mandelson. Yeah. <laughs> they, they started, I think I was reading this the other day, they started a Kickstarter and got something like um, uh, £300 out of 40k was it so, that they was went it that for. Low? I think it. I think it was that. It was like maybe three thousand pounds actually out oh. of forty. Forty. They didn't get they the money for. they were after. They didn't get for, but they they met the. Uh, they they actually did get the money. Yeah. Weirdly enough, a few mm. days before the Kickstarter was supposed to end. Yeah. Huh. Odd that. Yeah. You know. It's um. Yeah, they are Astro tough to hell. Yeah. Um. And like, I think this is the kind of event that. There was an interesting kind of like feeling towards it, like it is the kind of event that Labour, if they're going to be an actual movement outside of Parliament, mm. this is the kind of thing they can should be aiming towards. Well, I think it's part of, yeah, it's one of the main reasons why a lot of the hacks were really annoyed of it. Mm. It's because you're doing democracy wrong. You're supposed to be mm. doing democracy in Parliament or outside of Parliament only during the times of an election. Pointing at the MP saying, you shouldn't be here, you should be in Parliament. Pointing at the people going saying, you should be listening to us. Yeah. You yeah. know, you should be We're doing the ones politics that do this. through us. We're the ones that do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but... You it, don't have, like, a... You don't have a... You're not educated enough. You mm. don't have a political education. You're just here to scream and shout. Mm. Um, not be dignified and archly cynical like us. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, um, it is a good thing that they should be doing. We were talking about before, like, the idea of political education. And yeah. We're not, I was about to say political education camps. But that, oh, that yes. has a North Korean ring to it. But well, you see, this was what I was thinking about. I was trying to like there was a there was a really good article in I'm trying to think so- of a nice way of saying re education facility, aren't you? Oh, wait until I get onto New Soviet Man, maybe. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's where that's what comes out of the re education. It's not what goes in the re education camps, it's what comes out. Chum goes in. The new Soviet <laughs> man comes out. Um there is something to be said for a party like every other like centre left, even centre left party in Europe does it. They organise like politi- I didn't know that. political education events. Oh shit! Um, the thing that Brevik shot up was one, wasn't it? Uh, yes, exactly, exactly. It was a, a campsite, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd completely yeah. forgotten that. That's why they were there. And that's just the Labour Party. That's just the Nor- Norwegian Labour Party. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good. I think it's a good thing to do because there's to be fair, there's a lot. There's a lot of political ignorance. There's a good article in the New Socialist uh, came on this week by Tom Blackburn. Um, And he talks about, like, uh, you used to have kind of political education classes, and anarchists still do it uh, Mm. quite a lot. Reading groups, things Mm. like that. But um, it is the kind of thing that I think people would need. Like, it's not just for... Largely, Labour Party in the past like 20 years have used their activists to kind of knock on doors, but not really persuade people, maybe mm. to hand out pamphlets and work out what way they're voting mm. to see if they can, you know, help them if they're old people, help them to the polls or whatever, or they do it for just general kind of data collection. Mm. They don't really do it persuasively because that's supposed to be the role delegated to MPs mm. who can then be controlled by central office and kept on message. Yeah. Um, but I think with a movement as big as the kind of Corbyn Labour Party is, it could probably, you could probably stand to actually have some political education so that people, people can start kind of convincing other people. Yeah. Convincing their family and friends. Like that uh, video that they made during the election of um, people going to talk to their parents mm. Mm. Um, about voting Labour, about voting yeah. for their future. 
um, was really effective. Yeah. And if you can imagine kind of 500, like sort of one out of every 75 people in the country is a member of the Labour Party. Mm. And if you had even like a little bit of that yeah. across everybody, it would be it would be a really, really good thing and actually start rolling back some of the kind of ingrained assumptions that we've come to think of under under neoliberalism and under this phase of capitalism. Yeah, all the shit that's constantly put out by every single section of the press. Yeah. Um, things like understanding what austerity actually is yeah. and understanding what a deficit is. Mm. Basic things like that. Um, the papers would shit a brick if they started this. That's, you see, that's the thing. Whenever you start talking about political education, you get a certain... Um, you get the cultish vibe about it. Yeah. You get the thing. But, like, we're not... I don't think we can really argue against that. Like, I don't think we can really afford not to at this point. Like, politics well, they're gonna is... Po- poli- anyway. yeah, they're going to criticise Labour anyway. And this isn't, like, a game. Part of what Corbynism is supposed to do is bring politics back into the real and away from the kind of game-playing yeah. that it is. Yeah, that it has involved that has involved it, and the, like the detachment and the like t- people turning off from it mm. for so long, mm. when it affects every every element of their kind of life. Yeah, you know, um, and like yeah, papers will shit a brick, but that's exactly what that's designed to counter. Because at some point, the weight of numbers in the Labour Party can actually start working against the ordinary people argument. Mm. Oh, ordinary people aren't interested in that. What are ordinary people interested in? Yeah. And like they, newspapers and media outlets generally, um, like LBC for example, mm. they've opened themselves up to the public actually calling in. Yeah. And the entertainment factor of say, like say for instance, the comments section mm. under a Daily Mail thing. The entertainment factor, and the only reason they keep it there, mm. is not for any kind of debate. Not for any kind of God, no. not for any kind of like adherence to a liberal shibboleth of a free debate or free speech or anything like that. They do it because people come to look at the freaks. Mm. And if you could have some kind of consistent it wouldn't even have to be like that that complex, I don't think. Like I wouldn't you, you wouldn't start them like on the Luz Guitari and like um like going really deep dives into Negri or anything like that. Oh just <laughs> just me sitting with my 70-year-old aunties. <laughs> just like, okay, so I'm just going to explain to you about why we all feel sad. <laughs> now, if you turn to page one, capitalism is schizophrenia. Let me just get out of the whiteboard. So, the body without organs. <laughs> um, but no, you don't need to get into that, uh, because that's, you know, and like to, essentially to, a lot of it's kind of, it can like, be reduced down to a sentence anyway. Well, I mean, to, to compare it, like, Labour offering political classes... What does Oxford do? Yeah, exactly. What does every bit of education do? What does advertising do? Yeah. What does every institution do? What does every job do? Every single element. That's why people say like uh, capitalist realism and capitalist totality because mm. it embraces everything. Every mm. single element of your life is geared towards replicating a capitalistic kind of mm. um, manner of behaviour. Mm. So you've got like at the same time as your boss says, well, you've done really well because you like kept to the rules or whatever so therefore you're going to be sub under supervisor mm-hmm. in two years and you'll get a slightly bigger pay packet or the nike advert that tells like a kid who's in care don't worry you've just got to power on through because it's all about willpower yeah like that they're really neoliberal messages and you can see it now the world cup's on yeah. so you are like 
flooded with messages that tell you that individual achievement is the only thing. Mm. Um, it's all due to willpower. You should never give up. You should just endure every kind mm. of ignominy and like a you should become amoral and you're a shark swimming in a pool of fish and you know that yeah, those kind that of messages. And like I'm really not that bothered about complementing that with a basic socialist message. Yeah. It's the only way to get back mm. what we may have lost and well, may never have had in the first place, but yeah. You know. um, It'd be yeah. interesting to see what, where they move on from after Labour Live. Because did they, did they consider it a success? I've seen quite a lot of them talking about it like it was a success. If It looked successful. There I were mean, a lot of people there. I know they ended up giving away a lot of the tickets. Yeah. But I think for quite, right. for quite a while um, it undersold. Yeah. Um, but eventually, I think Unison or Unite started offering tickets to um, like union members, free tickets to union members. Mm. I think they got up to about 13,000, apparently, was the gate, mm. which is not bad for, like I say, what seems like not hastily organised, but. It's a political thing outside of election time. Yeah. On a Saturday in Tottenham. Yeah, when it's hot. Yeah. And which actually, being outside, it's hot, it's pretty good. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> not around there, it's fucking midges. There's like so much stagnant water around there. I'd like the idea of well, they call it the natural wetlands, but it's stagnant <laughs> water and it's full of flies. <laughs> I'd like the, I would like the idea of this continuing and being expanded. If anything, like if you imagine like doing a smaller version of this, yeah, um, semi regularly in parts of the country that don't that don't get as much attention from like mainstream political parties mm. and even from like. Where, well, where the baseline now is charities hmm. um, offering like you could combine it you could have something fun to do hmm. I the thing I like to do is listen to metal and play games <laughs> uh, so other people might have a different measure of fun I don't know why they would but there we go <laughs> um, but something fun to do combined with like setting up kind of ad, ad, like advice for dealing with state institutions Yeah, there's something about like the the state help offered the welfare help offered now seems as much punitive as it is basically you want helpful a kind of so like somebody to help you with like negotiating with gas companies yeah. working out what your best option is so a cross between the citizen advice bureau an arcade yeah. and roadburn that's basically what I want that yeah. would be pretty great that would be pretty great like just you've had fun playing whacker rat now I mean <laughs> sit down and reach it loose. <laughs> And then I'll explain to you how to get off a key well, meter. <laughs> the thing is, we were talking about Negri. Like, Negri's got a whole load of stuff on um, immaterial labour. Yeah. Um, and how the labour market's transforming. That I don't think it would be too difficult for most British workers to, especially service and retail workers, to recognise um, oh, themselves my... in that in that thing. To be honest, a lot, of the, a lot of those books aren't that hard to get your head around. Hmm. I'm not that smart, but I can... I'm, do it. I don't go to university. There's loads of socialist literature out there that isn't like intensely highfalutin fancy talk. Yeah, it's not intense postmodernist. It's not all translated in theory. French. Yeah, it's not. Um, there's plenty of socialist material that makes perfect sense. Mo like the Communist Manifesto. Mm -hmm. Nothing in that doesn't make sense no. to somebody to 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 most people. Yeah, and if you could set up like. Like I say, get those get those ideas out there, get those messages out there, get those little talking points mm. out there, and not just kind of centered in London, centered mm. like kind of spread out in a lot of other places, like places in Wales mm. that don't get a lot of help from 
like the Labour Party, the council, the state generally, have it like I've seen I've seen this being offered like for a few years, like when kind of socialism was a lot more in the in the doldrums. I heard people kind of like um, suggesting how you set up a kind of alternate state institutions alongside mm. um, failing welfare systems because like let's face it you're supposed to go to the job centre if you want a job mm. the job centre are interested now in punishing you Yeah, they are designed to catch you in a bureaucratic trap yeah. to cut off your benefits or otherwise yell at you Yeah. Um, so if you need citizens advice to deal with them the Labour Party is as an institution is someone who can like offer that and can deal mm. with it you know um I'll be doing my part for this by sneaking copies of the little red book around our gates. <laughs> I just imagine, like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be hectoring or lecturing, but uh, if somebody does get up in the middle of a talk, um, I will stop and say, you're free to leave, but uh, could you just explain why? <laughs> and put a spotlight on them. <laughs> and if they can't explain, then they have to wear the little hat. Yeah. Feed, you know, it's an, it can be an overnight stay, you know, nothing weird. <laughs> Just stay over in a load of tents and feed them low protein gruel. Uh, and, you know, maybe. maybe Take three trains and a wagon to get there somewhere deep in the deep in like the hills of <laughs> Wales. There's no mobile reception. <laughs> hey, you know, maybe I buy some land, maybe I need a fence built. You know, it's just, it's fine. Uh, you know, maybe while you're here, farm some live beans. For me. Maybe, yeah, maybe a little, maybe a little contribution. Maybe I can get that that rolls I've wanted. You know, it's, uh, a few more Rolexes. You just want to be Osho. It's worth it. I mean, I'm the one with the message, so uh, I I do. I'm not better than them, but <laughs> you have been touched by the divine message. <laughs> I live near. Tottenham, <laughs> the place of the great becoming. <laughs> Labour life. <laughs> but yeah, we sneer, but in general it was good, and I hope they do something, they carry on and do something more. Here's the thing I don't think it was good, but I do think they continue, I, ho- I do hope they continue with that kind of thing. Yes, definitely. That's, that's like my take from it. Okay. So I thought we'd talk about, so this announcement with the Tory party with the NHS. Yeah. And you saw how this was announced. It was announced in an interview with a journalist by the name of Tom Swarbrick. Yeah. Who interviewed Theresa May in a, in her office at Checkers. Oh, really? It wasn't in, like, the studios? No. Because, like, that was the first place she did her interview. I think it was after the Tory conference. Mm. She had that. That was the first place she did an interview. And she actually went into LBC. But this wasn't. This was... LBC, to be, fa- to be fair on LBC. Yeah. Because I will be... Because f- we're going to talk about LBC. And I will yeah. be fair on them when... It needs being, and unrelentingly mean about them for the rest of the time because they are disgusting. Yeah, um, they are right in the middle of town. Yeah, they are by Leicester Square, mm-hmm. and they've got their big studio there, so it's quite easy for politicians to just pop in. Yeah. Um. So, the weird figures with this interview, mm-hmm. she's in her office talking to Tom Swarbrick, and she still comes across as like nervous <laughs> because she's just <laughs> terrible at talking. But Tom Swarbrick, he's worked for LBC for a long time. Yeah. He's now a, a host. He's a, one of the presenters. Mm-hmm. And before that, uh, well, his first job with LBC, I think it was his first job, he was the roving reporter for um, Nick Ferrari. That's how I first knew him. Yeah. Nick and Ferrari's born in zoo. Yeah. Pulling pranks. Pretty much doing, more, doing yeah. pull, pulling pranks. But this is like, um, the one thing that always sticks in my head, is it always used to make me laugh, is he used to do things, do really mean things to him. Um... <laughs> Like, remember there was that squat near where you work? 
Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he made the most he made... police I've ever seen to mm. clear out that squad. It was fucking horrible. Yeah, so he sent Tom Swarbrick down there to get an interview with them, and there was this lovely exchange with this bloke saying, "Like, yeah, I'll talk to you if you get me, get me a bacon sandwich." Tom Swarbrick goes off and gets him a bacon sandwich, passes it through through the door, and he just shuts the door at him. And then Tom Swarbrick explains, "Like, he took the sandwiches, but he won't talk to me." And then Nick Ferrari just laughs and tells him off. Interesting fact about that: actually, they occupied. It used to be an ex police station, which yeah. was where the um, SDS were debriefed. Do you know the um, spy cops we yeah. were talking about the other week? Yeah. Um, that was where they were briefed and debriefed. At the bottom of Carnaby Street? At the bottom of Carnaby Street, yep. Lovely. That used to be a police station. It's now being renovated. After the they got the squatters out, um, yeah. it's being renovated into what else? Luxury flats. Yeah, they were called but, torn yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I've saw, I, I remember Tom Swarbrick doing is when the cable car was first built, mm-hmm. um, Nick Ferrari... Oh, the Emirates uh, cable car, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, Nick Ferrari got... A, was very annoyed at this cable car, mm-hmm. um, and justifiably, because that thing is ludicrous. Yeah. Um, but he sent Tom Swarbrick down there first thing in the morning with a little clicker to count how many people use it <laughs> on an average morning, and so he's like cold and tired and just counting. And I think it was like eight, eight used it in rush <laughs> hour, and one of them worked at the Costa next to it, and he lives <laughs> on the other side. Like it was built for him. But um, yeah, so he did that kind of stuff. And I think he did the odd taking over a show whenever someone was ill. Yeah. Psychic but then, Simon. But then he yeah. went away. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. He went away. He got a good job. Oh, I'm really happy for him. He got a really good job elsewhere. Where did he go, Hugh? He went to work for Theresa May. What? He was her head of media. Shocking. It's almost like I had been briefed. and <laughs> <laughs> read yeah. about that beforehand. But yeah. yeah he was yeah. her head he was of media. Head of, head of broadcast, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, for about a year, maybe a couple of months. Yeah. Like, a while. And when did he come back? Um, like, last week. <laughs> it was like last week or so. And then he did this interview with her. So he, so that's another point. So Theresa May is giving an interview in her office to one of her former employees that she's worked hand-in-hand hand with for ages now. That and, month. Yeah. And she's still too nervous. <laughs> And it wasn't even a mean interview. She was essentially giving out things. She was like turning up with it a big bag of, those, of sweets. It was one of those. Pre- it was one. Of, it was a press release about something that she was giving away. Yeah, and she can't do it without feeling like she's because she knows that deep down she's going to be taking a lot more away. <laughs> also, well, also that she's cheating it. Yeah, exactly. Aside from anything, but like so sorry, the thing is with Tom Swarbrick is that oh, the, yeah, his career has not been commented on. He is just a journalist. Yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. they talk about him. He is just a journalist. He is just an impartial observer. He's just an impartial observer. And he's not. He's... It's like... Ian, they do... They do, They try and do it occasionally with Ian Dale. It's kind of hard with Ian Dale because there's still videos on YouTube of him beating someone up during an election. Um, <laughs> but... Do you know what I mean? It's like... It's so naked and obvious... But no journal- none of the other journalists really pull them up on that shit. Oh, nobody cares anymore. Like nobody, no, like it's become so endemic mm. to the entirety to the entire media. Yeah. That of course, oh well, no, you know, he retained his magic impartiality. Yeah. All the way through, even when he was working for the government. Yeah. And for the party, essentially. James O'Brien did a tweet this week talking about how Andrew Neil is impartial. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Neil. <laughs> When he's, you know, discussing the, the Vitesse order with fucking Tacky. <laughs> but it used to be like, even even if he was, so he was head of broadcast, I assume he's part of the number 10 press team. And when, mm. like, when I was doing like A-level politics, 
we had to study how New Labour kind of mm. brought in like quote unquote political consultants who mm. were not members of the civil service and therefore were not bound by governmental laws. They just worked kind of for the party, but also for the leader directly, and how it's a weird conflict of interest. They're entourage. Um, yeah, essentially. It's, a, it's what Alistair Campbell was. He was yeah. not a civil servant. He was paid out of government coffers, but it was as part of the, the office of number 10. Mm. You know, that kind of thing. And that went, unco- that went commented on, and since has become like a standard practice. David Cameron had his, you know, press room. Yeah. People on phones, people on laptops, all the time, yeah. constantly monitoring that stuff. And there's no kind of... Of course, those are the people who are going to go in and out. Civil servants probably aren't, although, again, nothing's... Like, typically, civil servants went to other high-ranking jobs in mm. business, industry, or back to unions or whatever. Yeah. But, like, they th- this never got commented on. This, this got made fun of mm. in things like The Thick of It, but they never fully got to grips with it because they have no like they have no ability to kind of change constant like change the constitutional relations of power within like the civil service and within government generally yeah. there's no desire to do it so of course someone like Tom Swarbrick now can take a year off to go and work for the government come back <coughs> and be treated with all of the privileges of journalism yeah and like those privileges aren't like duties to them they are literally privileges they mean they can't get criticized yeah. because they are the whole the, the, the keepers of the holy journalism flame mm. and that somehow accords them more rights mm. than a bloke writing a thing yeah you know it's 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 really odd yeah um Majid Nawaz is really bad for that yeah and yeah he's one of the guys on LBC didn't he's he just uh, didn't he just um win his court case against the Southern Poverty Law Center yes he did then he get it got quite a big payout as well I think he did and it's you know, he's he's a very odd one. He is, but I don't he's, want to say a, much about a, him in case he sues me. Yeah, I know. But I will say that the man's a piece of shit. <laughs> he's obviously he's an he's an idiot because he's a Lib Dem, um, and that stuff that you can't sue me for. Um, but he did. He was talking, just a he weird was, kind of grifter. Yeah, very was, much the con art, like along with a lot of people, like the the qualified expert journalist pundit grifter. Yeah. You know? He was on because he does like a weekend show, yeah. Um, and he covers for James O'Brien whenever mm. James O'Brien is doing stuff. Um, but there was a bloke who was in favour of Jeremy Corbyn, and he was talking about the unfair treatment that Jeremy Corbyn is given by the commentariat. Yeah. And Majid Nawaz said, "Well, perhaps the problem is with the message, never with the commentariat." <laughs> and it's like that says everything about mm. Majid Nawaz, and it says everything about that age of journalist because um even peter hitchens wouldn't say something like that no peter hitchens is one of the one of the few out of all of them who kind of recognizes the system for what it is oh, I think. Was, before we carry on with lbc peter hitchens um i think today talking about um weed legalization with um caroline lucas mm. oh so good so good because caroline lucas is like pulling out facts and figures and peter he's just like going no it's bad <laughs> bad. It's, it's, it'll be easier. For was this on get... LBC or was no? This is just on like the week, like this week or something. He's yeah. like, no. If you make it so people can buy weed in the shops, then kids will buy it. It's like, well, it's easier for kids to buy it now. I know from my kids. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not true. Can kids buy cigarettes really easily? No, like, they can't. He's like, no, it's, it's not true. It's not true. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I love you, Peter. Yeah. So that gif of him when he didn't win an award. 
It's one of yeah. my favourite things ever. He's just such a great... He, he, he has a top-tier English sneer. He doesn't have... He, he's been a journalist his entire life. Barely has the energy to, like... He doesn't lift things or slam them okay. or have any kind of physical reaction. It's all in the face. Mm. It's all in the... Oh, the disgust. It's fantastic. Of I the English it. upper middle class. Um, come the revolution, he will be kept on as a journalist. Um, he will be kept on as a journalist in the Museum of Old Journalists. Yeah. Uh, he'll be put in a glass cage. And he'll just be tutting and sneering. Um, he'll, be, he'll be kept. Oh, he'll be kept very well. Kept reasonably well, you know. Well, we'll change his water in his head. He'll have his three squares a day. Yeah. <laughs> and by that, I mean nutrient blocks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so LBC. Yeah. It's a really weird station because it's it was London's biggest conversation. Yes. And it's been around for a very long time. It's been around since like the 70s. It's been around since the early 70s, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've listened to it for a very long time. Mm. It's generally, for a long time, it was generally the favourite of racist taxi drivers. Um, but late night on it, it was always weird and kind of great. Um, yeah. We have like weird, like when they used to do, when they used to have more balls and not as much money. And yeah. they do things like, oh, for the next hour, we're not going to bother with having to produce a vet calls. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to talk conspiracies for the next two hours. Oh, or the paranormal hour. I want that so bad. And you'd get things like um, the whole series of phone calls with Peter Cook, where mm. he'd phone up as the um, the, ice, the Norwegian fisherman who's mm. sailing the world looking for love. And he did all of these in character when he, was in, when he couldn't sleep. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, but you don't really get that anymore. <laughs> I mean, since 2014, they've gone uh, national. Hmm. So they're now what they call leading Britain's. leading Britain's conversation. That's yeah. right. And they, the thing is, they kind of do. Like it's in the gen, in like the media landscape. Like I listen to it a lot, and you pretty much hear every. Like it's pretty good weather vein for that kind of show for what hacks are thinking. Yeah, definitely. They've. They've positioned themselves as they've not only expanded into because they used to be kind of fairly it was right wing talk show hosts. There was an element of them trying to kind of copy like your Rush Limbaugh's and things like that, but yeah, there was never that. the appetite for the intensity of a Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, they, you know? well, they've they've tried, but they they get sued and they get uh, yeah, um, they get exactly. fined like massively. the Kate, the, the Katie Hopkins thing. Um, they had or, to sack her. or Nick Ferrari getting fined for um, telling yeah. people who to vote for on election day. Yeah, I think exactly. he done that twice. <laughs> and they've been, I mean, they've increased, apparently, according, I was reading this interview mm. with uh, James Ree, the head of LBC. Yeah. Um, they've increased their audience by 62% since they went national in mm. 2014. Um, they are, um, where they're really increasing is in um, 15 to 34 year olds, um, which no other branch of media is no. showing like that kind of increase among young people and like they've got people like James O'Brien on mm. to kind of put forward the idea of balancing it out but their main competition for any talk radio really is the BBC yeah. and which has its as well as having Ofcom guidelines has its own kind of internal stuff because it's state state yeah. owned and run yeah so it has if it's in a conservative government there's always the risk of it being kind of defunded mm. um and as such, it's become weird. Like BBC Radio has become weirdly craven. It's mm. become desperate to get that kind of LBC like controversy 
about but it. Can't do anything. But they can't do it because then they are literally not allowed. Yeah. You know, I mean, Radio Four, like the Today program, is fucking unlistenable. Yeah. It's dross. I would rather listen to Nick Ferrari. Yeah. Because he's at the very least personable and isn't right wing all the time. Whereas John Humphrey seems to he doesn't. Maybe he is comfortable with it. Maybe he's super right wing. Maybe he's super conservative. I don't know. But John Humphreys never seems comfortable with the kind of questions he has to ask. Mm. I mentioned it last week when mm. he said to Rupert Everett, like, yeah. oh, are you ever going to go through an interview without mentioning being gay? And then today, like, going mad at the, like, idea of cannabis legalisation. Was he? Yeah. And it's like, you, you've got a guest um, on. You can just ask them. That's a good point, though, about uh, the cannabis stuff that's happened today. Mm. Um, like, I was telling you and... Um, our friends on our group chat that it's probably going to happen that the opinions have changed mm. based entirely on what they were talking about at LBC the sheer amount of right wing hosts who I've literally heard them for years saying of saying drugs the exact bad, opposite bad, yeah. yeah and all of them um, all of them are now coming around to the notion of that well no it should be legal completely it doesn't work yeah. to ban it um, the only ones who even the ones who you'd think would be really against it aren't really Nick Ferrari isn't really yeah um, but then yeah you get this weird mixture on LBC because you've got James O'Brien who's their balancing act yeah the leading liberal left commentator in Britain I think he's not the most left wing person on LBC no um, Nick, <laughs> Nick Abbott is the most left wing person yeah. on LBC he does Friday night and Saturday night he is the only one who is even slightly pro Corbyn and he used to be a pirate DJ and he has sound effects <laughs> and I like him a lot <laughs> because he has sound effects and that makes me smile. Um, you you banned me from bringing in a soundboard for this and having sound effects. I didn't ban you. I gently suggested that that would cause way more harm than good. <laughs> Probably right. But um, yeah, James O'Brien, he hates Jeremy Corbyn. He hates Brexit. He thinks Russia did all of it. If you imply that our future, our choice are astroturfed, then you are some kind of conspiracy theorist nutjob. But let me tell you about how Putin ruined my bins. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's that kind. He's that guy. And he's definitely mirroring the psychosis of the liberal kind of wing of this country in general. Yeah. Um, also, he does this thing of pretending that he, he makes out that he's a very smart person, which is always infuriating. But he gets all of his hot takes from Twitter on his way into work in the morning, and you can literally watch him on Twitter doing his favourites and stuff, like liking tweets and all this stuff. Yeah. And then you could literally hear him say the stuff then, and it's like, I can see the cogs whirring. And he's just... He's unbearable. Also, he's become super Catholic again, <laughs> because his And it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Your Catholic dad died, you've started going to church again. But, no, fuck off. What you were saying about Twitter, that's an important part of James O'Brien's kind of, I wouldn't say appeal, but certainly his newly newly found reach. Because of the way that social media works, you need those kind of short clips. Mm -hmm. It's daily show clips, stand-up clips. And James O'Brien doing a two-minute where he roasts a viewer for Brexit. Yeah. Um, That's a a hugely important market that, like, I don't think... BBC have really embraced to the same extent, mainly because no. their takes are by by necessity mm. bland or nonsensical. Mm. But it's weird because they'll, they they'll have they'll put those clips up and they'll be the ones that bring in their viewers. Mm. But then for the most part, the thing that I think about with LBC it will be Sheila Fogarty um, talking about how a bunch of her friends stopped talking to her because she told them that abortion is a sin, <laughs> um, and you know you have things like that. 
Sheila Foggy is one that drives me around the bend because she's like, my religion doesn't affect my politics. I just happen to have all my political views just happen to fall in line exactly with that of the Catholic Church. <laughs> it's like, fine, be a Catholic, but no, fuck off with your abortion bullshit. <laughs> I think definitely, like, there's 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 two things about LBC that kind of set it apart and are the reasons why it's kind of got the, like an extended reach within mm. our kind of political discourse. The first is obviously they uh, make their presenters into kind of ersatz politicians themselves, mm. like James O'Brien as the leading liberal voice. Like most, oh, he talks most himself people, as like the leader of ra- like he talks about anyone who loves rationalism. Which yeah. I've watched a lot of anime. Yeah. The kind of person that says that is a danger. He's the one. Who's, like, he's the one who's going to try and turn himself into God in his final phase. Well, no. Do you know who says that they they just like rationalism and sensibleness? Furiking King Bradley in Full Metal Jacket. Yes. Full Metal Jacket, Full Metal um, yeah. Alchemist. Yeah. Yeah, it's that kind of shit. It freaks me out. It's like they're talking all sensibly. Like they're, sm- they're smiley, they're all calm and nice, and then they shove a crystal into their chest <laughs> and turn into the into God. <laughs> it's yeah, one of the things in my political, political re-education camp just to give people a firm grounding in anime. <laughs> and alchemy. Yes. <laughs> um, the second thing is they don't... they. They break some of the rules of kind of traditional journalism in the sense that the BBC have always tried to maintain this objective distance between mm. themselves and politicians. Mm. Um, the idea being that the politicians should come to them, they should make their statement, and then they should go. They're mm. not supposed to be like a part of it. Mm. Um, partly the Labour Live thing, yeah. politicians involving themselves in culture yeah. and involving themselves in kind of media in a personal capacity as opposed to their official role. LBC seems to not give a fuck about that. No, no. Since um, I mean, Sadiq Khan's had a show. Well, on no, there. it's um, it's since um, it's since Nigel Farage. It's since has had a show. Ken Livingstone's deal with them when mm. Nick Ferrari fucked up before, mm. and then he got a show on there. Um, since then, then Boris had his bit. Yeah. Um, Bernard Hogan Howe had you know former Met commissioner. Oh yes, yeah, so yeah. They have crested a dick on there all the fucking time. Yeah. They have like Met commissioners. Um, and they have yeah, Sadiq Khan is on there for like an hour a week. Um, Nigel Farage has his show. Figgy Alex Salmond used to have a show. Mm. Um, but yeah, they they properly like bring in the politicians. Yeah, just the idea that you position individuals in a place where they're not just guests, but they are hosts. Yeah, they host the calls from people. It's a it's a it's a strange thing, and it's probably it's it's probably a reason why they're kind of popular like mm-hmm. you have a more direct interface mm-hmm. with the people who are actually supposed to be making decisions about it i mean also, it it but, falls into the same category as most other media in that they're still politicians they still don't have the answers no. to like our current crisis and I'm or pretty certain their producers have got a way way stricter yeah because i haven't heard some of the old classic phoning guys phoning in. Yeah. Like there's the woman who um, always hated the European Union because it was a modern day... Because the Hadron Super Collider was a modern day Tower of Babel. God cannot abide unions and he's going to smash the EU and confound the languages of man again. She doesn't get to phone in anymore. Damn it. Wait, was she the one who turned out to be the Times religious correspondent? Um, the rumours are that it was her taking yeah. the piss, which is great. Yeah. Um, and there's like there's the bloke who used to phone in Talksport all the time. He's like, "Oh no, no wonder you love Tony Blair so much. You're such fans of lying." <laughs> and he used to phone in all the time. Um, but yeah, some of those people don't get to phone in as much anymore, and they seem to be there seems to be a lot more control over it. It's almost. a more it's a more tailored experience. Now you you listen to it a lot. I listen to it, it constantly. Obviously, it was obviously when I listened to it, 
a really kind of it reinforced right wing talking points like constantly Thatcherite talking points. Always. As it's gone national, as it's like a, like you said, become a more tailored experience. Yeah. Do you think it's gotten more or less right wing? More. More. Um, smarter, more. Or do you think more and more, but smarter? Do, with do you it. think it's like polarized as well? So they're entertaining ideas that even Nick Ferrari back before he got slapped down. Mm. Do you think they're starting to entertain those ideas? Um, the only kind of slightly progressive ideas are those uh, are things like legalizing weed, which isn't mm. something that will affect. They'll say, they'll say that, but they also say grooming gangs a lot. Right. Okay. A lot. Um, like James O'Brien has talked about how he he didn't take the job at Newsnight because they wouldn't let him talk about grooming gangs. What? Yeah. That's a, to... that's a fucking pure right wing talking point exactly. that you are forget you are yes. you are not allowed you are somehow restricted because mm. obviously the politically correct mafia have got to you again. Yeah. Don't know who they are. <laughs> Don't know where they come from. I've never met them. Yeah. Um but yeah, um and Nigel Farage is unbearable. He's but just doing his Nigel Farage thing. They are more British than American right wing because like Nick Ferrari this morning was going in against Trump because of this locking up children in cages. Yeah. And it's that thing again of like, oh look at Nick Ferrari showing the barest of human compassion. We've talked about Nick Ferrari before and then like he hasn't lasted this long. Oh yeah, he's probably by completely alienating his audience all the time on everything. Yeah. He's he's been doing the morning show on LBC mm. forever. Mm. He is Beloved of taxi drivers and the far right, um, but yeah, he's he's like I can't think of anyone in this country who is better at that job. And it it's seemed, harder here than it is in America. Because in America, you can just scream and shout. Yeah, because I mean, it seems strange because as well, they're because they're based in London, kind of the liberal elites, the cosmopolitan elites. Oh yeah, Nick Ferrari complains about here. cosmopolitan elites. Yeah. All the, he talks about um, liberal elite all the time. For someone who lives in fucking Blackheath and went to public school, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that's. But the interesting thing is that there's a balance that they have, even tried to have a balance out because James O'Brien is on liberals um, like Twitter. Oh yeah, they love him and Facebooks um, with his short short bursts of video. He's on there, and the fucking LBC logo is behind him. But also Nick Ferrari. But I mean, Nick Ferrari probably uh, shared less because you know, ugly. Um, <laughs> But you don't see the same kind of thing coming up on on like far right Twitter. Do you know far right social media? That's more of a Tommy (coughs) Robinson, Nigel Farage owns the libs kind of thing. Yeah, it's been a while since I've had a look at those kind of. They come up every now and again. I'm not going to click on them. Yeah, I'm not going to go on those things. Um, But I'm not sure if they are shared as much. It's it is weird because, like you said, like with the young people listening, and I'm pretty Mm. certain the young people will be doing it for like Magic Noirs and. um, James O'Brien, they won't yeah. be going on there for listening to Ian Dale's sweet hot takes yeah. or listening to Ian Dale's podcast that he has with Jackie fucking Smith. <laughs> Jesus. Could you imagine? I listened yes, to a bit. Yes, actually. They're really flirty with each other. Is Ian Dale gay? Yeah. <laughs> and she's That doesn't mean he can't be flirty. But no, yeah, but it's just, yeah. it's, it, those are two people that I never want being flirty with each other. It's sickening. It's horrible. They do a lot. They used to do it a lot more with um. And they the best one they had was um Ken Livingston and David Meller. I did used to listen to double act of oh look it's old lefty and old righty oh can't they just be friends and they were in general they were kind of friends like the old theatre critics from the Muppets yeah they were literally that except occasionally ranting about the Nazis. (laughs) 
Um, but it's a weird one. It's a really weird one. And it's it's because they're freer than others. Mm. Well, there is gonna... no other talk radio. Yeah. There, well, there is. There's like, what's it? The talk sport and... F- talk yeah. sport is the wire, is, uh, is sport, mm. you know. Um... Chat, radio, on. radio 5 uh, I think he's on TalkSport is he? yeah I think he's got a political show on, on TalkSport but it's very specific if you like Galloway you're going to TalkSport to listen to Galloway as opposed to I'm going to LBC because yeah. I like chat radio Yeah, there's nothing else other than Radio 4 hmm. which during the day hmm. is not no. talk radio it's pr- like curated programmes no. and Radio 5 which again has the kind of sport sport focus hmm. and, and that kind of I thing, like, the thing that's the thing the reason why I listen to it is I like talk radio yeah, I love talk radio. I like just having a conversation, like just hearing them muttering in the background. It's yeah. good for the cats as well and the dog. Yeah, it's nice to pretend for me that there's someone else in the room. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't see anyone else beating it, and the political goals of it are horrific. Like they had Aaron Banks on there. Yeah. Um, they are very pro Brexit, yeah. pro Tory pro-rights, right-wing part of the Tory party. Yeah. And the fact that they're but getting it's... an awful lot of new listeners and money and ad revenue in from kind of liberals. I could see them maybe pivoting towards being the radical liberal one. Yeah, but definitely. that's upsetting as well. I mean, it, it mirrors what's going on in the rest of society because increasingly centrist liberals are lining up in a cer- certain cultural way alongside... Yeah. Um, like centrist Tories, yeah. they are they are literally both backs to the wall defending the centre. Yeah, and there is something about there is something. There's always been something like beyond the Conservative Party, because obviously I imagine they can be pretty scathing about the Tory Party. They're not cheerleaders for the party as such no. anymore. They were maybe when Cameron was coming up. And when it was in opposition to a certain extent, um, they were kind of against they were kind of for them they were very pro Boris mm. um, but like with David Cameron they always seemed kind of annoyed that he was young because like yeah. David Mellor was always good about David Cameron because David Cameron used to work for him so yeah. he always calls him Dave weren't they from the same oh no he was kind of uh, harder right than Decam oh David Mellor's like a yeah. fucking monster but he, he was one of those guys who's he's rich enough that it didn't really matter he was essentially just not a liberal, but he was a he was a deep Tory. Yes. There's, what I'm trying to say is, with LBC and the right-wing coverage, there's always been an element of right-wing politics where they present it as kind of a natural kind of stasis. Mm. It goes beyond Tory, Tory, the Tory party as an institution mm. and really goes back to kind of Thatcher's, um, Thatcher's reign where she made those, pol- those policies and that... Overton window. I'd say actually that's it. That's what the normalized. That's the LBC is. It's Thatcherite. Yeah, it's Thatcherite. But it's a, it's that it's that Thatcherite light in that yeah. they're not going to go into monetarism and no. attack Keynesianism mm. because that's not what they're going for. They've got a status quo mm. that they are perfectly happy with, and they will keep pumping that out. But they will do the variations on it. So James O'Brien will say something like, "Well, I don't have a problem with free enterprise." That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, well, of course, we need the free market for these things. Yeah. Um, and then fail to mention the state or any kind of, like, good policies for the working class. But, yeah. like, that's that's where it's gone. And, yeah, I don't I don't listen to it that much anymore, so I don't have a, a good bead on it. But it certainly holds an interesting position within, like, Britain's media as a whole. 
Yeah, it's, it's an odd one. I'd say it has... I think it has a lot of sway over politicians. Um, I think by virtue of the fact that for a the, for very long time, mm. it was the only game in town in London. Yeah. And where do politicians live? Yeah. Five days of the week yeah. in London. I imagine most of them listen to Nick Ferrari. I mean, it's also combative in a way that even Newsnight isn't anymore. Like, yeah. BBC has the remit to do politics programmes. Yeah. And you watch something like Daily Politics or even Question Time, mm. and it's it's not just that it's boring; it's that it's useless. Mm. It has no you don't come out of it having learnt anything other than is this minister secretly angry at their political master? Uh, is is this deputy minister yeah. angry at the Home Secretary? Well, it's what? Westminster Village gossip, whereas LBC is the only one. Obviously, it does that Westminster gossip, but it doesn't hang everything about its political analysis on that. It reaches out a bit further in yeah. a bourgeois way, in a yeah. Thatcherite way, but not um, as resolutely determined to be so fucking elitist as the BBC coverage. Yeah, there's um, there is there's still this. You get kind of, if you're into like that kind of bullshitty politicsy stuff. There's like exciting moments of like Nigel Farage. Got called. Um, one of his phone-ins was um, what's it? What's her name? Carol Cadwalla. Oh yes, she I managed did see to get the through week. the yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and you occasionally get things like that, and you get people like shouting at yeah politicians, which you don't get anywhere else. Well, I find it very odd in a system that has PMQs and lords the idea of uh, like yeah, combative, aggressive politics, yeah. butting heads, but only restricts it to three like half an hour a week. Yeah. And every other, maybe that's it. Maybe every other politics thing, it's they're desperate to keep everyone involved away from each other. The Home Secretary is questioned by like Paxo mm. or um, whoever it is now on uh, Newsnight. Mm. Um, that will get a bit a bit combative for like ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, no opinion writer, no nobody in the commentariat no. will ever face the person who they're writing about in reality. No. Other than on LBC, yeah, you get the the matchups that you want, and maybe yeah, could be something to do with it. It's it's the place where those things mix, which no one else, nowhere else, nowhere else offers, nowhere yeah. else does. ITV has nothing. Channel Four has virtually. Nothing. I think you could do a lot of very good things with LBC if you sacked most of the people who. <laughs> but the 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 framework is. I like the framework, and the thing is, the being able to shower politicians. Is nice. Every so often, you do get a good phone in yeah. where someone does it to shout. Um, I could hear them planning because some, sometimes someone will phone in. They'll have yeah. like a really shouty opinion, yeah. and they'll save them for and they'll say call in on Thursday when so and so comes in. I think there's a bloke this morning. He's been set up ready to shout at Sadiq Khan. Yeah. Um, because you know he's he's a racist, but not a racist really. Yeah. Honestly, he just has legitimate concerns. Yeah. And he just wants to shout at. He just hates knife crime so much that he would prefer all those black teenagers were swept off the streets. Yes. Yeah, so they, you know, they have that kind of thing, but... Oh, God. I, should, I need to stop listening to it. But, I mean, coming, coming back... taking years off my life. <laughs> coming back round to the, like, political education hmm. thing, a lot of those media outlets are kind of being forced to open up to reply, uh, like, uh, yeah. write a reply yeah. and comment, and you can see it happening on Twitter. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, good core of decent like people who can make a decent point in a decent way mm. an explanatory way that is also demonstrative to people who are watching the conversation and educates them a little mm. bit or makes them think about something in a different way yeah imagine if you had 
a good core of like Labour Party. Doesn't it, I mean even if it's not Labour Party, just socialists. Yeah. With a firm grounding in talking points and the way to present their arguments, and then put them on something like LBC. Hmm. There are some socialists. I, the, I've listened to socialists phone in uh, LBC, hmm. and they've quite often been on the crankier side. Yeah. Um, they're frustrated from not being listened to for yeah. 40 years of yeah. having no outlet and so they lose it when they get yeah. on there um, but yeah something as open and a, a format like LBC does having a, a core of people who are able to do that it not you know, they don't have to be like on camera on like pre- they don't have to be like mm. press trained or anything like that just the basic kind of this is what I think. This mm. is this is the evidence for it. This is why you're wrong, etc., etc. That's the kind of thing that can move the Overton window back from where LBC want it. And what are they going to do? Stop having phone-ins? Mm. You know, you've got to use that. You've got to turn. It seems like everything's against you. The, I, they control. They the, do control it. They That's control true. the. They control the phone. The food but, phones in so well now. But like. It's so rare that they have to press the little button because someone's shouted a swear word. But like, as the left, you're faced. You get overwhelmed by it sometimes because mm. you're faced with this blank wall of, mm. at best, the Guardian, mm. which is rubbish. Mm. But at some point, rather than banging your head against it and saying, you're lying, media bias, that kind of thing, however true it may be, it does get the sense of exhaustion. And mm. you know the media and PR people generally are used to kind of putting things in your path that will make you seem like a conspiracy mm. theorist or... or, or, or you know, confuse you or just basically exhaust you. But if you have that kind of political education, if you can have that core of people who are prepared to say these things, like, yo, nuclear weapons, bad. Hmm. Um, ownership of the means of production, good. Hmm. And who can get that in there. If you just keep saying ownership of the means of production over and over again, hmm. eventually people have to start talking about it. Or yeah. people will start thinking about it. Yeah, you have a good point. You know, There was a great, um, like, as we end, uh, there was a great blog oh, yeah. today who, um, they were talking about um, cannabis oil, Mm -hmm. who managed to very quickly get across how to make cannabis oil at home. (laughs) He said, he was like, it's really easy to make, it's really easy to make, all you need to do is put the flour in the oven at a low temperature for about an hour, then you boil it in a bit of oil for a bit, and then sieve it out. And (laughs) Sheila Foggett, he was like, you really need to stop saying that. (laughs) There are legal issues here. And he's like, all right, then bye. (laughs) If only it were as easy to make full communism at home. <laughs> yes, that's what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, so that's us for this week. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamot and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. That is episode 59 and we're done for this week. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye. about the fighting game when Mr.